You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. I think yoga in particular is useful because I had a teacher that once said something about it's more difficult for people who are really good at yoga, who are just naturally, their body moves that way. It's more difficult for them to get the benefits from it because the benefits of yoga are when you're doing the pose that is difficult for you. You stick with it and you realize that you got to the other side. And it's not that you conquered it and that you won, you just learn how to move through discomfort mental discomfort because a lot of a lot of the discomfort of yoga is like oh i i everybody else is doing the splits and i can't do it oh my god i look like an idiot oh why am i even trying here why do i go you know all that stuff it's really useful in business and in personal life it, and it sort of trains your mind automatically to go okay this will pass you know i will get through this maybe i won't do it perfectly I'll have done it. I'll be on to the next moment. And so I think it's really powerful for that. That was Jean Godfrey June. This is Marnie Salaf. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Welcome and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with Goop Executive Beauty Editor and Goop Beauty Podcast co-host, Jean Godfrey June. And yes, we are definitely talking about beauty, more specifically clean beauty. But first, Jean and I think up about where her passion for writing began, how and when she got her start in beauty, and her first major story for Vogue. We talk about what the landscape was like when she started at Elle magazine and then Lucky, and how it has evolved today from product technology to advertising and brand messaging. I get the scoop on the latest and greatest in clean beauty and Jean's expert insight on a few things that have been on my mind, including sunscreen, infrared facials, and magnesium for better sleep. Jean shares her personal hair care and skincare routines and the exercise and wellness fueling her for success. I hope you enjoy what you hear. If you do, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to the app, wherever you listen, click on the Marnie on the Move podcast, scroll all the way to the bottom of the episode, click on leave a review, click on five stars, tell us what you love. Also on Spotify, click on the five stars if that's where you listen. Before we dive in to our conversation, shout out to our sponsors at Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. 
Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. And use our code CHEERSMARNY for 25% off. Now, on to my conversation with Jean Godfrey Jr. Thank you so much for, for being on the podcast today. You are the queen of beauty and have been in this industry for nearly three decades, I think. That's crazy, right? Over three true. decades. Yeah. Yeah. 90, 1994, I think, is when I really got going. I think I met you five years later when I started my <laughs> career in PR. <laughs> <laughs> when you Incredible. were at Elle magazine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you've seen it all, pretty much. I've seen most of it. Most yes. of it. And now you're just like at Goop. I mean, you're seeing the future of beauty. You're seeing what's coming down the pipeline in a really different way with a different lens. Yeah, definitely different lens. How have you seen, just from the beauty standpoint, how have you seen beauty evolve? Like if there's some, I know there's so many ways, but how have you seen beauty evolve over the decades? Over the decades? I mean, when I started out, I I think I started out even before Elle magazine. I I I sent articles to magazines and like freelanced it. You know, I'd just be like, "Do you want this article?" And it was actually very successful. And I always recommend people try that if they're trying to crack into any kind of writing is to just write what it is they want to write and send it to people. And I happened to I sent a story to Vogue about a makeup artist that was just starting a makeup line named Bobby Brown. <laughs> And that kind of changed my whole Vogue was like, yes. And then I, after they published that story, every other magazine wanted me to write beauty stories for them. And beauty, when I got into it, the reason I think that I was able to be successful quickly was because if you were reading a magazine, you'd be reading along and you'd get to the beauty section and it would be kind of like, oh, feeling bad about X problem here's a list of our advertisers. Like it was, it, and it, it was usually in a tone that was very different from the rest of the magazine. You know, they'd have amazing writing in, you know, whatever it was, Vogue or, or Bazaar or L. And then you'd get to the beauty section. It would be really cutesy, lots of puns, lots of alliteration. And it was like, you're all of a sudden they were talking to children instead of the same woman who was reading the rest of the magazine. And so I had a lot of success in not using that voice and instead trying to emulate the voice of whatever magazine it was, whether it was Vogue or it was Elle, and make that beauty section sound as just up to the same level as the rest of the magazine. So that really changed. And I think it was, you know, it was probably in process of changing. And so that did change the way beauty editorial sounded in general, I think across the board, eventually people were like, oh yeah, we're not talking to three-year-olds. And the approach, there's certainly, you know, like I'd say like in the fifties and sixties, beauty companies used a lot of fear in terms of how to, how to market something. It's like, oh, you're going to look terrible and everyone's going to hate you. And, you know, of course that, that strategy is still with us, but I think that it has gotten less and less and less over the course of my career. And even before I started my career, it was definitely going away. And the idea of talking about beauty, whether it's a product or it's an article or whatever, you know, you're talking about beauty from the point of a person who's feeling confident and is looking to sort of 
have fun, optimize rather than, oh my God, people will know I have a gray hair, you know, like that kind of, um, you know, frightened, you know, uh, you have terrible breakouts here. Here's how to hide them. You know, like it's more like coming from a place of confidence. And I think that has, that has continued to change. It's more like, let's find a solution. Let's optimize whatever it is you're looking to optimize, not hide it, not, not fear-based. I mean, if you, you know, you look at, at old ads for beauty products, it's just like, you're like, oh God, I'm glad I didn't live in that culture. Cause I would have yeah. felt even worse about myself than I do now. Right. Um, yeah. no, I mean, <laughs> and then true. the other thing that has changed, that's, you know, more obvious to us, cause it just happened was, has been changing standards of beauty um, are always with us, but the fastest change, I mean, when Black Lives Matter ha- happened, all the things that people have been giving lip service to for my whole career just like changed overnight. And it goes to show that things can really change. <laughs> it, you know, people can say, oh, you know, it's, you know, there's something that's sort of a bummer about like, oh, I'm just going to change my imagery and hopefully, you know, that th- that's enough and it's not enough. But changing imagery does make a big difference. Like, human beings are visual. And when you see beautiful black faces next to beautiful white faces or not even any white faces, it's, it's powerful. Um, you know, because human beings, I think are just beautiful. Like, you know, they are, we can also be incredibly hideous, but like everyone is, is beautiful. I mean, um, you know, we, when you look at another person and you're interested, it doesn't matter, you know, our brains are trained on this or that as far as what's, you know, the standard of beauty at the moment, but human beings are beautiful and sort of putting them all up there instead of like this one weird strain, you know, <laughs> is, has, has changed so quickly and it's definitely for the better. I started my career as a fashion an assistant, of course. Mm-hmm. At, I think I was first at Allure, and then I went over to Harper's Bazaar, and I was doing freelance styling. And, you know, when you think about the culture and the models, and and then I actually worked with Bobby when she first started as well. I was like an intern in the PR, quote unquote, department. There was no PR. Yeah. It was her and Rosalind. And yeah. I remember she was one of the first makeup artists that I on my radar that was designing... Mm-hmm product for all different skin types skin tones and that was really revolutionary she really kind of put that front and center and I know she still does that which is amazing and also like not you know making makeup more natural right Mm -hmm. so I mean I definitely agree I think we've come a long way in this world of beauty what was your original inspiration into wanting to work in media and writing like where are you from how did that kind of come to fruition like when you were oh, younger. well, I yeah. loved, I, I've always loved writing and I've always loved magazines. Whole family are scientists and we were always kind of outside of the culture a bit, you know, just like, you know, my dad's a biologist and we were always on some, you know, biology thing. And so magazines for me, I didn't get to watch a lot of TV. Magazines were like, oh my gosh, this is how the people live. This is what they're like. So I loved magazines. I knew I, you know, I was on my school paper I, and I Went to University of Colorado because, you know, those, the subscription cards that are in magazines, Yes. the return address is Boulder, Colorado. And so I thought that like Vogue and Mademoiselle and Glamour were all made in Boulder, Colorado. So I was like, I'll get an internship. I'll be on my way. This was obviously long before the internet. Um, So I went and 
Yeah. So um, I always, you know, always, always wanted to be in magazines. And um, when I got to New York, I managed to get, I really didn't have any connections. Um, I didn't have any way of, you know, getting, you know, magazine jobs were really uh, difficult to get at that time. And so I, I got a job at a magazine called Unique Homes that was like a luxury real estate magazine. And it, it was half writing ads for luxury real estate across the nation and half writing articles. And I had an incredible, incredible editor there, Roger yeah. Yee, who was, who he held us to like the standards of the New York Times. He was an incredibly smart man. He was an incredible writer and an absolutely amazing editor. And he completely taught me how to write a story and also having to call those realtors. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I would have to call like a thousand realtors and be like, okay, here's the copy, please approve it. And listen to them yell at me and <sighs> have them not get back to me. And so then I'd call again. And it, it, that was a skill you really need as a, as a reporter. So, um, it was, it was, uh, pretty incredible experience. And I wrote about architecture and interior design for a couple of years. But as I did that, that was when I started writing. My my grandmother was super close to, was always like, when are you going to write like a story that like in a magazine where I can buy it in the grocery store, right. you know? And so I started writing articles and just sending them in. Most journalism schools will tell you, you know, write a proposal about what you want to write about. And when you write that proposal, it's not in the voice of the magazine, you know? And so why should they take a chance on you? They don't know if it's going to be good. Just send them the article. Are they going to screw you? It was highly unlikely. And if they do, okay, you lost, you know, whatever. And I, I did that and I had great success. My first story was in New York magazine. I did one for Condé Nast Traveler. And then I got one in Vogue and that the Vogue one changed everything. That's amazing advice, actually. You know, I have a, a lot of listeners who are in that time period in their career where they're kind of trying to get into different industries. And actually, I think it's interesting to just like write the article in the voice of whatever platform it is that you want your article on, because that's what we do in PR, right? Like we pitch writers, but you can just like send a pitch like, you know, and now as a podcast host, I get so many emails that are so yeah. irrelevant. And I feel like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like you have to know who you're talking to. And that is like that makes it an 80 percent chance that you're going to get your client covered. But then you have to also consider that that person you're pitching has other things going on in their life and has their own, you know, content calendar. But I think for, yeah. for a writer, it's, it's great. You know, it's great advice to kind of like write something that you want to see published. Well, it's a great it's a great thing about, I mean, I think in any career, no matter what you're doing, if you can show someone that you, you know how to do it and yeah. that, that you're going to do it exactly how they want it. If you have that opportunity, you should take it. And it's worth the little bit of extra work. Like, is it so much harder to write the whole article than it is to write the proposal? No. Right. Um, it's, you know, and, and then if they say, no, I don't want this article, then you retool it, which takes a few minutes right. in the in a voice of the next outlet you know you have to do the work to see the results and that's that's something that we learn the hard way in our lives yeah but yeah. and there but there are a lot of there's a lot of people that will tell you oh follow whatever path and if I had followed the be an assistant I would have had a much uh longer time before I was the senior editor at L yeah so that was I think it can really accelerate your career if if you are willing to sort of step out of the, the line a little bit. 
And I mean, you know, speaking of career, you were super ahead of the curve when you went over to work at Goop on their digital mm. platform, seeing that that was the only platform that they had. <laughs> and it wasn't like originally a magazine. And then you mm -hmm. also are co-host of the Goop Beauty podcast, which I just thought that was so cool that you spent the first half of your career in print and you were able to quickly pivot and switch gears. How did you make that shift and... Were you already thinking about it before it happened? And how? what were some of the biggest differences for you going from print to digital and then to podcast? Yeah, well, I'll say, you know, I, I was at Lucky Magazine when, you know, the internet came and, and, um, and Lucky, we even, as we were, you know, putting it together, the idea was to mimic the, uh, the immediacy of the internet. Right. And I watched Condé Nast make just, just throw ridiculous amounts of money in the wrong direction, trying to make themselves digitally relevant. Uh, you know, their, their strategy for several years was to have a separate company that had magazine titles, you know, so it would be, there would be a lucky magazine site and it would be written and produced by a team unrelated to lucky magazine. So in any case, I, I watched while Condé Nast spent money on this, you know, the, this separate company with separate writers, separate editors, making content to mimic the content of Lucky. And it's like, and they did it with every Condé Nast magazine. The only magazine that they didn't do it that way was the New Yorker. And if you look at who's the most successful, Up you know, magazine yeah. ever to, to become digital, the New Yorker, because they just provided their same content. They had their same identity. So I certainly, you know, the whole time I was at Lucky, I was working in digital, trying to, you know, they'd say, oh, can you guys produce this thing for us? Can you do this? Can you do that? And Lucky was all about shopping. So it was like really focused around that. Yeah. They could have made a gajillion dollars if they had like put Lucky up on the, on a, a digital platform and had it be the same thing, but you could buy the stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, it would be around today. And it, instead it was the first one to, to fall of the women's fashion magazines. The other digital experience that I'd had though, was actually in 2000 during that, that internet bubble, I was at L and I was lured away from L by like one of those beauty companies. They, all of them, the, these beauty inter, internet companies at the time, all those internet companies lured beauty editors over nominally. They were going to, oh, you're going to produce content. But the real thing was to use our connections with beauty companies so that they could get them as vendors, you know, and it was, and that didn't go so well. So I had about nine months at a real, at a failed uh, internet beauty company, but I was really interested. I mean, the reason I went was I was interested in the potential of the internet of like, oh, you can talk about these things. And then if people want them, they could actually get them. Right. For a long time, the magazine idea was like, the, you know, they wouldn't even tell the price until lucky. They'd be like, you know, it'd just be like, this thing exists and maybe you could have it, maybe you couldn't. You know, they wouldn't even tell you where it was from, uh, you know, from years before that. And the idea of, I always feel with beauty in particular, but also with fashion, you know, you get excited about something, you want to get it and yeah. you want to get it now, you know? Right. And so the internet always excited me uh, that, you know, that way. And so then when Lucky folded, I, Elise Lunen, uh, I had worked with at Lucky um, and she called me about Goop and I was like, yes. And the other aspect about Goop that was exciting to me was that 
I had been interested in clean beauty for probably at that point, like about five to seven years. All the beauty editors once a year all had to go to a yearly meeting of the cosmetic industry where they have meetings and stuff. And we were there mostly to be with our publishers and talk about advertising, talk about what was in the magazine. But this one year, the head of a very large consumer products company demanded that all the beauty editors show up at, at his speech. And they were like, we'll be taking names. That company was one of the largest advertisers for any magazine. So we all went and he gave this speech and he looked straight at us and he said, you're journalists, beauty products are safe and you're journalists and it's your job to report it. And we're all like, beauty products are safe? Of course, I never thought that beauty products wouldn't be safe. And it was like the worst PR move of all time. It was like a cigarette company or something. We all were like, and I remember going back to New York and talking to the head of a luxury beauty company. And I said, well, you don't use these bad ingredients, you know, because you, yeah, yours are expensive. Right. He was like, oh no, you can't make beauty products without these ingredients. And so the clean beauty industry at that point was like, you know, two brands and really small. But as it started to slowly pick up, I definitely covered it in Lucky. You know, right. I covered, I still covered all, all beauty products. But when I'd hear about, you know, something, I'd, 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 like, wow, these people are doing it. Like whether it's Burt's Bees, Walita, Josie Marin. So then when I came to Goop and Gwyneth had had a different experience where she, she, her father had had cancer and it sort of woke her up to the idea that there are all these unnecessary toxins in the environment. Um, and certainly in like food, there's pesticides and that, you know, she right. explored that first. But then when she found out what they're putting in beauty products, she was like, you gotta be kidding me. Why would you fall? Where's the luxury in putting something on your body that you then are worried might cause, you know, endocrine disruption, disrupt your hormones, you know, yeah. all kinds of problems, even down to just where's the luxury in putting something on your skin that's supposed to be good for your skin that's known to irritate it, like many chemical sunscreens. So I, we, we, I, it definitely was the place for me because I was already interested in clean beauty and so were they. And so it was great. <laughs> And you guys have a, a major process for vetting all the products that you recommend, which I have yes. so much respect for. And that's why I would shop on your website and buy products from Goop Beauty. I definitely I definitely love the process. And I've been on the other side of that process, like trying to get product on. Through, and I, yeah. And, and it's, it's real. It's like, you know, yeah, it's not yeah. like, oh, here's my product and we're going to advertise. And no, not at yeah, all. No. Like it's got to uh-huh. be vetted and yeah, tremendous respect for like holding your ground and like being that voice and authentic source for these kinds of clean beauty products. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, when I first got there, I was like, there aren't enough brands for me to even create the amount of content I'm going to be creating. And then in very short order, the clean beauty industry really exploded. And and that's been a really wonderful thing also is there's just like, there's no compromise at this point. Yeah. You're using not clean beauty products. You're just exposing yourself to those chemicals for some reason that I don't understand. Brands and consumers have come a long way in understanding like how to make these products available from the shipping and the packaging and the storage and people, consumers have mentally wrapped their head around how they can, you know, have access to these products. Like if something needs to stay refrigerated or if there's like a certain usage time and things like. But most things aren't that way at this point. It's really the technology has gotten pretty good. And it's just, you don't need to throw in all the stuff that they, that they put in. You don't need it. That they put in, yeah. What have you seen 
in the past, maybe the past few years that you're really loving in clean beauty and maybe also wellness? Let's see. I mean, what I've seen in clean beauty, that's the trend is the, yeah. you know, the technology has just gotten better and better and better. And now if you want something super luxurious that makes you feel, you know, like you're in Paris and get it at the most fancy shop, you can get that in clean. Um, if you want to get something at the drugstore that, you know, is like totally works and is great, you know, but it's also clean, you can do that. And so to me, that's the biggest, like, trend. At Goop, our readers are, they love makeup, they love hair, they love skincare. I think, you know, our emphasis is more on like a skincare sort of focus where, you know, the makeup is the fun part at the end, if you want it. Most days that Gwyneth is in the office, which she's, she's in there every day, she's not wearing makeup at all. And we took a similar sort of tack with, it was our second hair product and we introduced it this year. And it's this serum that you use before you shampoo. Okay. And you leave it in for 20 minutes and you would think like whatever the benefits are, they're going to wash out, but it doesn't. It is like good hair day, but you, you do it before you shampoo, then you shampoo, condition, do whatever you normally do. And your hair is like shinier, better texture, like noticeably. And it's crazy that that works, but it does, but that it was sort of the same idea as like, I'm going to use our 15% peel pad once a week so that I'm getting like a sort of a dermatologist office level peel so that my skin is glowy all week so that I don't feel like I need to cover it up. I love the peel pad. It's really good, right? I ordered some products. I mean, my skin is so dry that I, I have to put heavy or moisturizers on and I use face oil. I've been using face oil since like I worked this, with this company, Sundari, ages ago. Uh-huh. Remember, Remember them? Mm-hmm. I also use some Goop products and I love them. The quality is just, and I'm not just saying that listeners, because <laughs> we're on this podcast, like this is the real deal. Like I don't really use a lot of stuff. I'm really simple, mm-hmm. you know, especially as an athlete. Like there's not a lot of, there's no like, 25 30 minute beauty routine happening yeah 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 and I Mm -hmm. barely wear makeup I mean well and that's a trend that we've been hearing about also is just that weirdly you know in COVID we supposedly have so much more time but we actually have less you know everybody's working much more than they ever did and so people are spending even less time on themselves I think that's a trend that's not the greatest and that hopefully we can reverse and if it's things that remind you to take time for yourself, like having a bath that's sitting out there. So you're like, oh, maybe I'll do that. You know, I think they're very good things. And even, you know, even that moment that you take and you put face oil on in the middle of the day in between your Zooms or something brings you back to yourself a little bit. Yeah. So having that a minimalist routine. Uh, Whether you're minimalist or maximalist, I don't think it, but I just think, looking at your routine as sort of a way of paying attention to yourself and going, wait a minute, have I just been working for 14 hours? Like, you know, because I think that's what everyone is right now is, is overwork. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so what are some of the product categories that you're seeing or trends that you're seeing in like beauty and wellness? Well, I'd say in general, hair tech in this last year got so much better. The clean shampoos and the clean conditioners and those kinds of things that have super sort of improved and come up to the level of their conventional counterparts, hair sort of lagged a little behind. So I feel like that's a big factor. What are your thoughts on sunscreen? 
I certainly believe in sunscreen. I wear it and I, I think, you know, if, if you want to, um, <laughs> if you want your skin to last, um, you need to protect it. That said, chemical sunscreens, the ones that are the easiest to put on that sink right into your skin are some of the most powerful irritants in the beauty industry. And if you think about irritation and inflammation, it causes the signs of aging. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, that is something that the people have figured out over the last few years. And so when people are like, oh, I'm going to put this daily moisturizer on that has a chemical sunscreen in it, you're putting on something that's irritating your skin every day. It's right. probably, you know, and you're doing it because you want your skin to stay youthful looking and, and look its best. And it contains an ingredient that is working against your goal. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. crazy. The other thing about chemical sunscreen is that when people wear it and go into the ocean, they yeah. kill the coral. Now you think the ocean, it's a big space. So the things that are in those chemical sunscreens are powerful enough that they can be diluted in the ocean and still kill the coral. So how good could they be for you? Yeah. You know, it's it, to, to me, it's just absolutely nuts. At the same time, the opposite of true is true of mineral or physical sunscreens. They are soothing. They're what they are used in baby bottom cream. They're soothing to your skin. So when you're putting on your daily moisturizer that has uh, physical sunscreen in it, you know, you're, you're soothing your skin rather than irritating it. So right. it's no brainer. If it takes three more seconds to rub it in, I, for one, am willing to do those three seconds, a little extra face massage. It, right. You know, it's it, a benefit. The way you can tell whether something is mineral or chemical is just, if you look in the active ingredients in the box on the back, mm-hmm. If, if it says anything other than titanium dioxide or zinc oxide, then it's chemical sunscreen. Okay. If there's anything in that box besides those two things, then it's chemical. And I love the tech has definitely gotten better in yeah. physical sunscreen. And there are just some incredible formulas out there that blend in like a dream. We have one on our site called Unsun that Frank Ocean's mom developed. And she was like, you know, as a person of color, I had an even harder time making sunscreen that would that would really blend into my skin and not look ashy and have this weird blue cast. And, and so her sunscreen, it works for every skin type. It just goes right in. It's incredible. There's, but there's, you know, I love organic pharmacy. There's one coming out from Clark's Botanicals. It's not out yet. That's really amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's some great sunscreens or some major. I think it's so important. I mean, I think like when we, you know, we do all these races and, you know, triathlons and everything, like you get out of the water and they sometimes will spray you if mm-hmm. you want, if you want with sunscreen. I personally keep sunscreen in my uh bento box on my bike I know it's like you know, oh that's good yeah I take it with me I mean I know you have to reapply as often yeah. as possible and I do wear it's hard to avoid the sun and yeah and at this point there's no vitamin d coming in so it's all good <laughs> I take vitamin d as a supplement I don't yeah absolutely supplement with vitamin d the other thing I'd say about spray is I would never use a spray mineral sunscreen either. When you spray sunscreen, it's going into your lungs. Some of it is getting into your lungs. Mineral particles in your lungs are also bad for you. You don't want that stuff going around. 
I think there's an opportunity for a brand to get on board with the whole like endurance sports world and start sponsoring events. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I agree. Cause it's, it's just, it, it definitely spray sunscreens of any sort are not safe in my opinion. I'm not a doctor, but I stay away from them, like literally away from them. And what are your thoughts on cryofacials and infrared facials and all that kind of stuff? Um, there's a lot with infrared. I think cryofacials definitely feel nice and depuff, you know, do, do they have long lasting results? I don't know. Certainly red light and blue light dermatologists have been using in their offices for years and do seem to have results. And now there are a lot of, there are a lot of ways to get that at home. I, I think that's a great trend that that's worth taking advantage of. So what are your thoughts on magnesium and melatonin and yeah, all those things? I listened to this. <laughs> I listened to this podcast. That's this Stanford professor. It's called Huberman Lab. Oh yeah, he's an um, awesome. He's a neurologist. Yeah, it's awesome. And he he has talked about the fact that melatonin is a hormone in our bodies, and taking it is not the best idea. So that is my personal, you know, thing. Magnesium, on the other hand, he said is really effective, and if you take particularly these three kinds of magnesium plus L-thionine, that you can yes. actually have a, a great result. But he said, the thing that that really stuck with me and made a, I noticed a real difference right away. Is he said, people with like any kind of sleeping problems, if you give them a few days where they're exposed to morning light for 10 to 20 minutes, and then also the light sort of as the sun is setting at the end of the day, their sleep will become much better. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. It really, he's like, that's the first thing we do at any sleep lab, at any, anything. It's, you know, when your eyes, there's cells in the back of your eyes that sense what time it is. And if you give them that actual light has to be not through a window, right? not with sunglasses, 10 to 20 minutes, just be outside. It really makes a difference. So that's cool. Good advice. But magnesium also, I think is a great thing. And I do take it. And I also take baths with magnesium in it. I think they're super soothing and amazing. What's your personal beauty routine and then your personal wellness routine? Because you look amazing. And I know that I see a lot of plants in the background, which is like making me feel like I want plants. But yeah. <laughs> I have, well, this the, the main plant in this, in this uh, is a, uh, a ficus tree that was like looked dead when we moved in. Like it was, it was, the owners had just left it and we basically put it in a new pot and watered it and it became like a giant. Um, so, but I like lots of plants. I think, yeah, you know, it keeps the air healthier and also just makes you feel better looking at them. Beauty routine. I wake up, I don't cleanse because I'm old enough that, you know, my skin is not oily and certainly it it doesn't get dirty overnight. So um, I don't cleanse. I put on vitamin C first thing. I use the, the goop vitamin C. There's a lot of great clean vitamin C's out there. The key with any vitamin C clean or not clean is that after about three months, I'd say, even with like strong preservatives that aren't good for you, it will lose its potency. And so I like, um, like goop, we solved it by we, when you get it, you mix the hyaluronic acid together with a powder and then it's good for three months, which is a three month supply. Um, If you get true botanicals, they, they will, they sell you just a powder and you can mix it with either just water or serum. I really believe that you need something like that to make sure that the vitamin C is potent. And vitamin C makes a difference in anyone's skin. People will start using it for a week, 
somebody will say something and be like, what are you doing to your skin? So I recommend vitamin C for everyone. And then I wait probably, you know, five minutes or so for the vitamin C to really, cause it has a slight acid base. So I always feel like putting oil or cream on, I want to wait like five minutes. So I do that. And then I will put on, uh, either face cream or face oil. And because I'm at home most of the day and I'm a beauty editor, I am like putting face oil and face cream on like all day, all day long. <laughs> I also put on sunscreen um, if I'm going outside and if I'm going to be sitting near like a big window for a really long time. You know, I have pale skin, so I do put on mineral sunscreen. I also try to have some time outside like when I do my morning light outside that, you know, it's already, it's early morning. I don't put on sunscreen for that early morning light because I suspect that there's something in your skin that, that wants, you know, that there's some, there's probably going to be something discovered down the line, you know, that it senses what time it is too. So, but in the summer I would, but certainly now I don't, that's my daytime routine. And then, you know, and I'll, I'll put on makeup if I have like a a big meeting or something like that, or if I'm actually going out into the world. But for most days, I'm not, not doing that. And like, I'll use like a tinted lip balm, like Goop just came out with one I just love. If I just have like a regular meeting. Yeah. (laughs) And then at night, I like to use, I love, I switch around. So, um, and I often layer. So like I'll use, I love Vintner's Daughter Serum. I'll use that with, you know, if, uh, cause it's more of a treatment and less of a moisturizer for okay. my skin. Uh, so I'll use it and then use like the goop, either the goop face oil or the, or the goop face cream, depending on how I'm feeling, but I'm always trying out new clean moisturizers, new face oil. I love face oil. I just think it's something people have been it. using yeah. thousands and thousands of years. You know, it clearly it works. Do you use hair <laughs> oil too? Cause it looks like, you um, have like similar hair to me. Like my hair is, feels like a little dried mm-hmm. out today, but like I have thinner mm-hmm. hair and I've thought I about don't, it. I mean, right now I, I literally I had a crazy morning and my hair looks insane. Um, <laughs> but I'm lucky with my hair and it pretty much usually or not right now, but if I wash it, it'll dry and look good. Okay. And I don't really use hair oil per se, unless I, as a treatment before right. I wash, okay. you know, and, uh, but mostly I, for hair, I do, you know, I'll, I use, try to use the goop serum every couple of shampoos. I feel like it lasts through a couple of shampoos, even though it's supposed to just last through one. Then I love grown alchemist nourishing shampoo and conditioner, Okay, like so looking and beautiful. I also get great results from Rahua nourishing. It's high, their hydrating line. It's the pink line, their shampoo and conditioner. I love, and then I love Rahua's leave-in conditioner. That's my hair routine. <laughs> awesome. And what are you doing these days to, to work out and exercise? Cause I know you've always kind of been into that. Yeah, I definitely, I've done yoga since I like sometime in the nineties and I really love it. And it was, you know, COVID was really difficult in that regard, learning to just do it online. And I do it several times a week. And then I, I walk hopefully at least once every day. And then I run a couple of times a week. So those are my, and I love to hike, you know, so if if it's a weekend I love to like do a hike. I hold, I grew up hiking. My mom's like the ultimate backpacker she still is and she's 80. So I, I, I love to be just outside in nature. And so hiking, I love. And are there any big lessons, maybe life lessons or career lessons that you take from 
running, yoga, or hiking that empower you for success in the other areas of your life? I think yoga in particular is useful because I had a teacher that once said something about it's more difficult for people who are really good at yoga, who are just naturally, their body moves that way. It's more difficult for them to get the benefits from it because the benefits are, of yoga are when you're doing the pose that is difficult for you. Right. You stick with it and you realize that you got to the other side. And it's not that you conquered it and that you won. You just learn how to move through discomfort, mental discomfort, because a lot of a lot of the discomfort of yoga is like, oh, I, I everybody else is doing the splits and I can't do it. Oh my God, I look like an idiot. Oh, why am I even trying here? Why do I go? You know, all that stuff. It's really useful in business and in personal life. It, and it sort of trains your mind automatically to go, okay, this will pass. You know, I yeah. will get through this. Maybe I won't do it perfectly. I'll have done it. I'll be on to the next moment. And so I think it's really powerful for that. That is very powerful. And where do, where do you practice these days? Like online, who are you practicing with? Right now, I there's there's two. I do. I was a longtime Jiva Mukti right. yoga doer <laughs> and they closed before COVID and it just broke my heart. And there's people from Jiva Mukti who yes. have sprung up studios. And so I do one called Souk by Rima, Souk Studios. Then I also, there was a Jivamukti studio in Jersey City, I think that's now called Urban Sadhu Yoga. And they have a great online program that what what's hard about online classes for me is scheduling. Yes. And so if Urban Sadhu, the great thing that they do is you can take the classes anytime. And awesome. for me, that just makes an enormous difference because I can, you know, have a meeting and then do it later, you know. Right. <laughs> I found that I've been able to get back to my practice because of the online component, because otherwise it was like really hard for me to spend like 30 minutes going somewhere. When can we expect new episodes of the Goop Beauty podcast? It's coming. Megan, my partner in crime, uh, just came back from maternity leave. She has the cutest baby on earth. She's awesome. Yeah, she is awesome. And hopefully we'll be gearing back up. We don't we don't have a, a, a schedule yet. Well, I highly recommend that everybody that listens to this podcast, listen to the Goop <laughs> podcast and Goop Beauty, because if you like this podcast, you're going to love Goop. Oh, so cool. So cool. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.